You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Abrocha, this is Tshuva Sopoiskim, and we have a special schus today uh, to highlight uh, a, a young Talmud Chacham, a person who is uh, who is uh, edge of Lagoyin in a sense, someone who is definitely on his way uh, to becoming a, a, a an important thinker in Kali Yisrael in terms of Psak and understanding how Halacha should work, and uh, and and the Mahalach of the Paiskim, which is really what this year is, is meant to highlight uh, the greatness of the of the Bali Halacha and how they deal with a question, sometimes a question that seems uh, intractable and difficult, but using the uh, tools of halacha and understanding and being yoyred and with courage, they are able to be machria, as the G'dayli Yisrael have shown us. We have with us uh, Rav Manus Blumenfrucht, who is a Talmud Vosik of Medrash Gavoya, Lakewood, Shivask Brisk, Yerushalayim. Um, he is the uh, one of the meyastim of a yeshiva that maybe in, in history is going to be uh, reckoned with, just like Rav Yosha Bear's Kailu in Boston that was there for a number of years. People will talk in time further ahead of the great yeshiva of Rav Yeshivas G'day of Memphis with Rav Nota Greenblatt being able to be yonik from the the moyach, the lev, uh, the regesh, and the seichel ayosher of Rav Nota. I know for Rav Nota Greenblatt himself, there's a gesund sein, uh, that this yeshiva that was uh, built around him uh, was a tremendous hano, an oinig mamish as a Memphis person that everybody knows I was raised in Memphis and uh, grew up in Rav Nota's house. And therefore, I welcome you not only as a, a Talmud Chacham to the Mesifta of Talmud Chachamim, but also as a Ben uh, someone was raised in such a way. Ranis, uh was was willing to uh, at, again at almost the last minute uh, to pr- present for us. Uh, it's always exciting, as I said, to have a machaber, someone who's worked on an Indian till he's able to 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 build a safer out of it. And this, of course, was a shaila that 25 years ago uh, the Velt was it was Marish Shaylomus about this discovery, and um, uh, it, it's something which I guess. Is, is going to shock some of you who aren't familiar with the literature. You'll also be moichul me, everyone here. Uh, the Kashos question that really is relevant mainly to Americans and um, for people that rely on Rav Moshe. So I just want to give a little background to the Shiloh, to the history before we talk about the actual Shiloh. just think it's important to put things in perspective so people should know what we're talking about and how recent it is and all that. So just to start, there's something people know colloquially as Chalv Stam. Um, Chalv Stam is milk that is not uh, that does not have a Jew watching the milking. Um, the Hawacha and Shulchan Aruch is that Chalv Shachavu Akum, milk that was milked by a non-Jew and a Jew was not watching it, is Asr. It's Chalv Akum. So in America... Rav Moshe Feinstein wrote a tshuva in the 1950s that since there's government supervision and there would be penalties if somebody would change adulterated milk for to camel's milk or to chazer milk and the such. So Rav Moshe wrote that um, it's as though a Jew is watching the milk and it is chal v'yisrael. That's what Rav Moshe said. And he says that many Talmid chachamim and Rabbanim and Bnei Torah were drinking milk. And he said, chas to say that they are not doing Kadina. Ramesha says that's the Kadina. He does say, bal nafesh yachmer, which I'm not going to get into. And again, I'm not getting into if somebody should rely on Ramesha's um, heter. That's up to their Rav and their Masaira. I just want to talk about just what we're talking about. So Ramesha wrote that. Um, as an aside, Rav, the Chaznish also was matter based on similar reasons. The Rav Henkin quotes the Chaznish. And Rav Henkin wrote in 1951, I just saw this last week, that only a miut katan, a small minority, not a minority, a small minority of people in a, where he was were Makbun Chalvi This is not 1920s America. This is 1951. This is, uh, I mean, it's not 2020, but still in 1951, when there were already people that had Chalvi there were still, he said it was a miut katan, a very small minority. 
that were Makron Chal Now today we know that that has changed. Many people are Makron Chal but just that's what we're that's what we're talking about Chal of Stam. And I just want to say what it is again: O U D, Chav K D, O K D. Things that don't have a, a Jew on the farm, which are Moshe and others say is Chal Yisrael, and some people don't drink it, some people do drink it. But the question is pertaining to that milk. Now. Um, so they saw that a lot of cows had operations done to them and it raised a big tumult. This was in the 90s, 1994. Um, and they they discussed the question because on the farms that they were, what were producing milk, I don't know if it was Ha'olam or whatever, there was big questions of cheeses that was a Shiloh. Because again, let's go into the Ikrashiloh. The Shiloh is a cow that undergoes surgery or let's go a cow that has certain body parts that are perforated or, or cut or broken becomes a trefa. Trefa is in next week's parasha, parasha's mishpat, and the pasuk says, "Basar basad the trefa weisachelu, a cow of tashrichu noisay." If if um, if the animal becomes a trefa, you're now to eat its eat its meat or drink its milk, even if it has a proper shchita for the meat and its milk. You can't drink when it's alive. And the halacha is that many different animals, many different makas, there we have a Kabbalah Hawakh Mashmisina, there are Yudchas Trefus. Um there are 18 different trefas that make an animal which the Ramam counted as 70. So let's go with the Ramam Zamba. The Ramam says there are 70 different makas, different wounds to animals that make an animal non-kosher. So that that um whenever an animal sustains one of those wounds it becomes also to eat even after shechita, and its milk cannot be drunk. So the question was that these mashkichim on the Chal of Yisrael farms saw that the animals, that the, some a lot of the cows, a nice percentage, I should say, of cows had surgery done to them, which um, rendered them either trephus or suffolk trephus. So the issues, the, the surgeries were... were um, the surgeries were um, being done to the animals, to the cows, to correct their stomachs. And I just want to discuss what the Shia was about before they decided that they're going to institute cow removal. Chalavisrael claims that they have, they're on top of their game here and that they remove the cows. And even though at the time the Rabbanim who were dealing with the Shia would try to advance Haterim for the milk and the cheese that was already produced, this is in 1994. Going forward, Chal Yisrael says that an advantage of their milk is that they remove the cows. The issue remains for Chal Stam because again, Rav Moshe said a Jew does not need to be on the farm. Cows that have their that are operated on for this issue, which I will discuss in a minute, could stay in the herd. Their milk is 100% regular legal milk to be sold in the stores because they they're cows and they're they heal as long as there's no antibiotics. There's no problem of the milk um, going into the milk tank and being sent to the stores, to the shelves and to your house. So the question is, why are we not, why, or maybe we should be machmer that people should not, um, people should not drink Chalstam, even for those who are alive in Rav Moshe and Rav Henkin and Rav Hazanish. And I saw Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky also held me Ikra, didn't like Rav Moshe and Rav Yashubar Solvechik of Boston and uh, Rav Gustman, all those who say Chalstam was okay. But there's a new problem. Rav Moshe was already not alive six years, when the sh- almost eight years, 1994, eight years after Rav Moshe was nifter. That's when the issue was discovered. So who says Rav Moshe ever said that you could drink Chal Stam when there's a trefa issue? So it's a second issue. Again, we're talking about people who eat Chal Stam. If they have to be by J.D. Boich, Rav Menashe Klein, um, Rav Chat, um, the Summer Bottom and Bar Park, um, Rav Chaim Kohn, that wrote that milk, Chal Stam should be Asr, even for those who are wider of Moshe, because of this new issue. So that's what I want to discuss, and that's what um, that's what I want to discuss here today. So let's go back to what we're talking about, Abomazon. So a ruminant, a cow, you know, we're talking about um, kosher animals, have four stomachs. The stomachs are the keres, the, the keres, the 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 Besakoisis, the Hemsis, and the Keva. So we're going to talk about the fourth stomach, the Keva. Um, so the Keva, the Keva is that number two. Number two is the fourth stomach. 
and that it lies on the right side of a cow. That's the normal healthy cow. It lies on the right side of the cow towards the bottom, the fourth stomach. It's called the abomasum in English, the cava in the Mishnah and Trephus. The Mishnah says if the cava gets a hole, it's a trefa. So, so that was the issue here because we are talking about a disease called left displaced abomasum. Cows sometimes have a disease that with the, the abomasum fills with ear and gas and it displaces to the left side of the cow. Right? You see it's on the right side here in the picture on number two, but it could displace with gas. So the Shiloh was a twofold Shiloh. If you see in the picture, number three, there's a cut in the wall of the animal. That is a question of another trephus. Shmuel says, and some learn it in the Mishnah, Basar Karas, the bus that covers the karas is a trephus when it gets cut. So when they cut the flank, they cut open the side of the animal. Like people get surgery, they cut open the stomach. And then they go inside the abdomen of the cow and they move the abomasum back. So number three was one trephus that the chacham, that the rabbanim dealt with. And number two was the second one. Again, number three is the basar achayfes or vakeras, the flank. And number two is the keva, the abomasum. So the normal method that is done, the two most common methods of surgery were right flank omentopexy. I'm not going to spend time on explaining the, the words here, but the right flank omentopexy and left and the toggle method we'll deal with today. The toggle method is the second picture here. Um, this way, the, basically, the cow has its abomasum displaced and it needs to be moved back. So with this method here that we see on the screen ten by this picture, um, it, it says it's it, there's um, the, it's called toggle pins and a cannula. What they basically do here is um, they they move in. They take that they take a needle. They take a needle and they wrap it in like a straw. It's called a trocar and a cannula. Doctors would know what this is. The trocar and a cannula. It's like this. They stab it into the into the cow stomach. Now they have this inside. They remove the needle and now they have a tube going in and they can put stuff in. So what they're doing is they put in that toggle right there that the, that looks like a string with a toggle on the top. And then they, the strings outside the animal and then they tie it to the, to the belly of the cow. So those are the two common methods that the place can dealt with. There are others, um, but that was the two main methods. And there's a big shiwa of cutting the, the keras, the basar chayfes or the keras. And there's another question of the, the keva, if getting, having a hole in the keva. So when the shaiwa came up, um, when the shaiwa came up, um, they were very, the, the prominent rabbanim dealt with the shaiwa. It was an extremely big shaiwa. It was very relevant because, again, it was even relevant to Chalvi Yisrael. Somebody told me, a Rav told me from Flatbush that Ha'olam had hundreds of thousands of dollars of cheese that was at stake. And some rabbanim took that into account. Again, I have some maruba. I have some maruba. And um, because of the have some maruba, they, they um, were matter based on different considerations because of the amount of cheese. So the main approach that rabbanim took on the shaiwa was they said, let's look and analyze the surgeries. Again, the surgeries are going in the abomasum of the cow. And on the walls, let's deal with the abomasum. Let's see if the paiskim, what the paiskim say about it. So some rabbanim took stringent um, stances on this, and they were only matter very bidiavid, very vocal, and whatever. They were not matter going forward. Um, the main oistrum, I would say, the machmirim on the surgeries that wrote chuvas. Rav Chaim Kohn wrote a chuva, and um, um, Rabbi Black's article, he takes a string, I would say, a stringent stance on the surgeries. And then you had on the other, on the flip side of the coin, you had Rav Yisrobelski, Zechariah of Rachel, who wrote a very long tshuva, two very long tshuvas, and it's in the Sefer Shulchan Awevi, where he tried to show that the surgeries don't make the cows trafe, and there's no shaiwa. Again, if we can nip the shaiwa in the butt and say the cows aren't trafe, then there's no problem with trafe, because the surgeries don't make them trafe. Surgeries only make a trafe if it touches the Yudches trafe of Chazal, and Rabbi Belsky wrote that it's not an issue for that. Uh, Rav Moshe Heinemann also wrote 
uh, tshuva, a much shorter tshuva, but he also dealt with actually permitting it based on the surgery aspect of the shayla. And then there was also, um, that was the OUs, I would say, the, the most, that's what they sent out. And then they also spoke a statistical thing, which I would like to discuss later, but they were talking, they basically said that there are places that hold the surgeries on mega trade and one can rely on them. So I just want to talk about this a little bit um, because uh, when I was a younger man, in, in uh, I still am a younger man, but when I was young, five years ago, when I was just starting out in Kyle, I started learning Trefus. And um, I wanted to run through this issue because I heard about the Shiloh. I heard that very, very many people were, were very upset about the Heterun that were advanced here. And I know a lot of very hush of people who told me that nobody should rely on the Heterun that the surgeries don't make a trade. I don't want to say names here, but very prominent, well-known people. And then since I've been looking into it even more, because it seems that a lot of the heterim on the surgeries are either based on some factual mistakes or based on very, very fringe opinions of Paiskin that nobody should rely on unless they have to. So there's a very, there's a very strong attitude of Rabbanim. There's one of the Rabbanim in Lakewood is, is, uh, is, has told many of his followers that uh, his Talmidim and people ask him that uh, since the surgery's question is so chamer, he said, to rewind Rabbi Belsky's hatshuva is only if somebody needs it for, let's say, baby formula, they need a certain thing, but of course nobody should rely on it for uh, eating hagendas and the such, or yogurts that are chal stam when they don't have to. He said in the hospital, somebody needs to insure or different chal stam products, then they could rely on it, but not not unless it's necessary. So I want to talk in the question because, again, we know so many people rely on Rav Moshe. And I'm not here to tell people to rely on Rav Moshe or not to. That's everybody's minog and their rough. But there are many people that rely on Rav Moshe. Many people live out of town. Again, as as Kivalavich um, said, that there are people that that live in places that don't have Chavi Yisrael. Um, they, they freeze milk. They freeze Bottles and bottles of milk. I was once by a Chabad Shuyach in Knoxville, Tennessee. He showed me his freezer was full of milk. Most people don't do that. Most people around America, unless you live in big cities that have access, like Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, uh, Seattle, there's not Chal Yisrael. And uh, many people either would have it face. Many people rely on Rav Moshe. And Rav Moshe's Shuva, even the people who say Rav Moshe never meant it for people in Brooklyn, they are Moshe. Rav Moshe meant it for people out of town. So Rav Moshe definitely was told people they could be Mako. Romanus, maybe I missed it, but maybe you could explain why, since this is a very common procedure for cows, and we know that the Chol of Yisrael dairies don't own the farms. They just rent out the the area and bring in their mashkichim. How do we know that the Chol of Yisrael isn't from these cows as well? So I'll tell you the honest truth. That's a very good question. I'm happy you asked it because I didn't want to bring this up because I was recently on a podcast I went on this Farm Shatter podcast. But I, I'll tell you the honest truth, because this Chal Yisrael issue is something that is, I think people pay more for Chal Yisrael for two reasons, for Chal Yisrael and for this issue. I know people who drink Chal Yisrael because they're only the Trefus issue. So it would be very important to know what they're actually doing. You know, we want hey, transparency look, look, for everybody. Look, 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 the, the dairies are the same dairies. There aren't, I, there is yes. some, okay, so I do know that I got a note right before this podcast that the White Lake Creamery is... Uh, Batachlis Sahidur, the one up in. Where's Wiley? Oh, oh, what's the name? I know him. Um, he emailed me, Rabbi. Um, his name is. Farmer emailed me after my podcast. He wanted to discuss my. The my, Bethel uh, Creamery. It's called the Bethel Creamery. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's the person. Yes, okay. yes. So the Bethel so, so, Creamery in, in White Lake. Um, so I guess they make sure the cows they get they yes, know have not. Yes, been so I want to discuss it. I want to discuss this. So again. There's a council of Eid Echanam Bistur. If a Yid tells you that there's no cows that are trafed on the farm, you can rely on them. That's a beautiful, strong halacha that nobody doubts. Um, the only issue is that Chal Yisrael don't own the farms. They're not, not owned by Jews. Of course right. Not. So they go and they do runs. They do runs. And I want to just start off by saying that when I spoke to Rabbi David Feinstein about the Shiloh, I presented my information to Rabbi David Feinstein. I presented my information to Rabbi David Feinstein, um, but he, I only spoke to him once. I only spoke to Abdullah Feinstein once about it, but my safer, I was able to get a letter from a Baruch Moskowitz, who's his town. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, and he, and he, he, <laughs> and, and he, and he, um, 
and he presented my information to Rab David, but um, he Rab David had told me he said he he was very curt about the Shiloh. He did not seem to enjoy being asked this question because he was asked it very much, and he felt people were trying to attack off Stam. So when I asked him, he didn't know me, but I asked him. He said, "Eh, Chal Yisrael has the same issue." Like that's what he said, and he told other people that I know also. So I just want to explain what he means and explain what the Chal Yisrael claims that they're doing, and that's not the purpose of the shir. I just want to give the Hamaynam. This is maybe something well, that maybe we'll get into hot water. Oh, oh, don't, worry, was, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm okay with it. I hope it. That, I, 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 the, why is there such a kpeda to do these operations? The L. Um, the LDA. Why is there such a? Why do they do the operation? Why is it so important? Because, because milk production goes down. I mean, I heard a share from Rabbi Machshir and Waco last night, who said that the cows die within 24 hours. He doesn't know the topic. It's not. They don't die in 24 hours. They die eventually. They don't die right away. They there's called cow depression. They produce less milk, and eventually it can lead to other tsaras. It's not so. So if we look at this incredible um, paradox. If it has this movement of the of the abyssinium in, in the wrong place, the cow is 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 will produce oh, less milk. Very good. I did say that. Okay, it's, it's not the actual disease does not make the cow trafe. Trafe. The and disease doesn't make it trafe, but the operation to correct yes. it because of the chetach makes I'm so it happy a you, you, I'm so happy you mentioned that. That's a very important point. It the disease will let's say kill it within a week. And we know trephas die within a year, so it could technically qualify as a trephas, but that's not true. A cow with a so, disease that surgery we, because we have a the disease of the LDA will kill the cow, but it's not from the yudches trephas that are nimna by chazal. Excellent. That's exactly yes. That's it. That's it. I want that should be clear to the listeners. The the disease itself, if you have a farm with one hundred percent cows with the disease, they are still one hundred percent kosher. Now you want to know why? I'll say just one thing now for the listeners. Rav Moshe says nishtana teva. Um, the the trephas go by what was Bismang of the Mishnah and the Gemara, and Ramesha says even though the cows that get the surgery are going to live for twelve months, they live for three years afterwards, so they're not going to die. How could it be a trephas? Ramesha says it would have killed it in the times of the Gemara, and that's what we go by. And he says that this disease that we have now wouldn't kill Bismang the Gemara. Ramesha is not talking specifically about this disease, but he says any disease that kills it now that Chazal didn't say kills it would not have killed it Bismang Chazal, and any disease which we see now is not killing it. It changed the, the Shana Teva, things change, the yeah, and, changes. And, right. Let, let me just elaborate just a little bit on that. And again, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but we know there's a machlekas whether Trefa Chaya or Trefa Eina Chaya. So we already have in Chazal a Shita that says Trefa Chaya, right? So what does that mean? Isn't it a Tarta de Sasri? It's Trefa, but it lives. So you see that the shame trefa is what we're talking about. An animal that dies as a Trefa, that's the point. An animal that dies in the state of being a Trefa is an animal that you can't eat. You can't eat, even if right, it sh- right. even 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 if it's shechted properly. Um, right. Whereas, because <laughs> so, you see a trefa chaya according to one shita, right? So if the trefa can live, it's a raya that the shame trefa is what we're talking about. So here you have the paradox where you have something which isn't going to live because of another reason, but doesn't have the shame trefa. Does that help? Right. 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 Yes. Yes. The, I- Trefas are based on what Chazal told us. If somebody, if an animal has way away no cancer, it's not a trefa. You know, that's just not how it is. That's just what it is. It's, it, it goes by what Chazal told us. And the issue is that so many things Chazal told us that the animals die, don't. Rav Moshe writes in the Chuba, all the operations we perform on people on the stomachs are doing trefas, and trefas are by people also. Rav Moshe says people live. So Rav Moshe says that, of course, the Teva changed and the Rambam, he brings a Rambam, and he wants to say that we go by what would have killed this man Chazal, and whatever, even though nowadays, let's say, well, you know, cancer kills a cow, but it doesn't kill, it wouldn't kill this man Chazal, and he said that, and, and that nowadays, the LDA, right, the LDA we know kills a cow, doesn't make a difference. That's what Ramesha points out. So, I just want to get back to the Chalvi Strong. Right, okay, yeah, right, so why is yeah. it, again, so why is People that are in the industry, they told me two, two things, not really contradictory, but it's important to know. I didn't get details on which Chalvi Strolls are like this and that, but I, I just think it's important for everybody to know. Um, I'm going to present Itzad to permit the milk waiter, and some of the information came from non-Jews. So there were people that were not happy with it. The Rav Park, who is a well-known Rav Machshir, told me that you cannot rely on Goyim giving you information. So I basically got information, which I'll present in a few minutes, from Goyim, and they got it from their computers. And this Rav Amach just said that, oh, a guy is not Neman from his computer. So whatever. 
he said that I don't trust your information. So then I asked him, and when you go to the farm, how do you remove the cows? So he said, I look at the guy's computer. He, I see the history of which cows had surgery, and I remove them. So I said, why is his computer? <laughs> what's the difference between me and you? We're in the same boat, right? The question is, how do they remove cows from yeah, Because there's a particular mirsas. I mean, you could say when he comes, when Eckstein or whoever is comes over there to the to, to, to up to the farm, so there's a particular mirsas, even though, like, you know, because the guy knows that he can check it again, right? In other words, or right. Saying, so maybe, so so again, so may, so there are maybe how In other reasons. words, there's there's mirsas when the Rava Maksha comes and wants to check the, you know, in the, in the, what the guy's printout is, and he's mamish afanart. So you could say the guy's loyosi was shocker because you can, okay. you can ask him. Okay, good. Okay, that, so that that could be that. There are definitely spars that one could say. One could say it's Masih Fitumway and there's Umawai Maram Nasay and there's fear of a contract and Pesha Asr. We could give spars and there are spars. But unless you're going down and feeling the sides of each cow to see the scars, it doesn't, they're relying to an extent on non Jews. And that is an, a questionable thing. It, it may be Mutter, like you said, you give a very nice svar here and that's one of the svars they rely on. But we have to just realize that the Chavisra don't own the farm. They don't have this tracking thing on themselves. They're relying on the non-Jews tracking system. The guy have ear tags on each cow. And then they put history of surgeries. Let's say a guy forgot to put the history of the surgery. Or let's say a guy was not, they were not meticulous. So then you'd only figure it out if you walked up and down to each cow and felt the flank to see if that surgery. Do you have to do that? Maybe you don't have to do that. But to say it's, it's, a, it's a big work, the mashkichim, there is something, a big job that's done, and a, a, a non-Jew told me that that's why it costs more money because of the herd removal. I'm saying it's a big process, and it's something that should be, um, I asked a big Hasidic Shorab, and he told me he doesn't even know what they're relying on, with the relying the guy, he wants to look into it. Now, I'm not saying they're big Rabban and they're Machshar, and um, they have methods, and uh, somebody, one, one person told me this week that he feels each and every cow every time he does a run. It's hard to believe it, but uh, he said it, so I believe it. That, that would be very nice. But another person, but he told me, I know this other Rav Amachshar that solely just checks the computers. Speak up, uh, Alicia, you had a point? Oh. Yeah, just question. I know Rav Shachter tries not to drink milk. Um, oh. Is that is that really the anhaga for Baal Nefesh? Would Rav Amosh or whoever would say Baal Nefesh based on these fakers that are very, very, I mean, there's Hefs and Maruba's fakers for companies. But for us personally, should a Baal Nefesh be machmer on themselves, not for the family? But I'm saying, should someone avoid milk, even whatever milk? Should you avoid milk products? Right, so so I was asked this after the Rav Herschel Shachter's issue is about all milk all over the world, even Chal Yisrael, right. because cows after they're slaughtered have a lot of trephas. So um, I'm not dealing with that again. I'm dealing with Chal milk only in America. The reason why I'm not dealing with Rav Herschel Shachter's issue is because first of all, I didn't look into that issue. That um, issue, I, I didn't look into that sugya necessarily. But Ian, I wanted a little bit, but not much. And the consensus of Paiskim, I would say 99.9% of Paiskim was not to be Machmer for many, many reasons. Um, all across the gamut, you have all Hasidic Shorabanam think it's not a problem. Then you have Rav Yashif was very adamant that he was wrong. Rabbi Belsky, Rabbi Bleich, Rabbi Zalman, Hamid Gobo. Oh, understood. But I'm saying yeah. from you, what you're saying, should we be Machmer not to have dairy? No, because no. So so that's why I want to say. I want to explain why I think I think it's the Cholstam is Mutter, even though even though the thing. That's So I'm going to go with that now. So so Chovi Stroll, they have cow removal. That's what they're about to say. I just want to discuss what I did for what I think is the correct approach to the Shaiwa. Because when it was Nagaya for me, the Shaiwa, after I went Trefus, so I wasn't feeling comfortable relying on the Hatarim. Um especially baby formula. My my son, um, it was Nagaya for my son's baby formula. Um, so at the time I was looking into the Shaiwa and I got it came across a whole different angle to the Shaiwa, which which um my safer has one part of it. And uh I just think it's it's uh what's relevant to Lamaisa. Again, if you have a cow in front of you that underwent surgery, that's the Machwaikis Rabibelski said would be okay. And Reb, let's say um Rav Chaim Kohn says it's not okay, or Rav Mendel Zilber says it's not okay, right? That would be if we're dealing with a cow in your backyard. But we're dealing with American milk. People have to realize how American milk works. It doesn't work the way people think it is, that it just goes from a farm to people's houses. Um, and I just want to explain something that, before I do this, the the, the whole premise of the Shiloh. We're talking about the left displaced abomasum. Now, the disease doesn't happen by, by chance. 
if you look in the literature and the, the medical books and speaking with veterinarians, professors, and farmers, it happens in nine, more than 90% of the time at one stage of the cow, so cow's life. It happens by transition stage cows, cows that are going from giving from not giving milk, right? They're dry to giving milk. Cow gives, gives birth, starts lactating. Now, when it gives birth, um, it needs to eat more food to keep up with the cow, to, to produce, be able to produce milk. So there's a tremendous stress on the cow and it causes a lot of health issues. This is just what everybody, this is the facts. So their transition stage cows transitioning from not giving milk to giving milk. So they start easing it into food and then it gives birth and then it, they try to bring up its calorie intake slowly. Those transition days, which are before birth and after birth, those 60 days are when a cow is misooken, some liable to, to get this uh, disease. So the farmers are very meticulous at that point to carefully take care of the cows, not to give them stress, to feed them special things, to make sure they're, they're being milked properly, whatever it is. That's what they do. So I, as through my research, I was contacting farms. I was able to contact over, over 350 farms. And what was coming out was clear was that there was an assumption made by Rabbanim here that does not seem to be necessarily accurate across America. So when the Shaiwa came up, Rabbanim were on Chalvi straw farms. They saw what was going on there, and they said that we see there are trefas. Now the question is, even if a cow is treif, the Ramah says, I mean, it's based on Hawacha Bittal, if you have 60 cows that are kosher against the one treif cow, so then it's kosher, right? If the milk tank is filled with 60 kosher cows' milk and one treif cow's milk, the milk is kosher. It's batal bishishim. It's nullified. So what happened here? Why don't, why don't the Chalvi straw farms permit the milk in 1994 based on this? So the answer is that it was much higher than, than Shishim. It was higher than 1 in 60. 1 in 60 is 1.6%. They had higher numbers. They had 3%, 4%, 5% of cows that had operations on them. And because of that, they had to permit it. The way to permit it was only through talking about the surgeries. They were not dealing with if the cow's milk that was trafed was maybe bottle Bashishim. Now, coming back to our show in America, if you want to ask a milk in America, you have to make a few assumptions. The main one, which is a very big pella and a very big, uh, it would be a very big stretch to say it, is to assume every farm in America has above 1.6%. And every farm in America, when they have sick cows, do surgery. Because again, the disease doesn't make the cow treif. So if you want to ask a chalstam, you're going to have to say that every farm in America has trephus, has the disease above 1.6%, because under 1.6% is bottle. And you have to say that all those that have it get surgery and make a trip. And that's just a tremendous assumption here that did not pan out when I did my research. And I just want to say what I saw. I got a lot of responses and I got so much different information. There were farms that told me they had high percentage, they had four to five percent, but they said that they were they were um, financially well off and they sold the cows. They never even dealt with surgery. They said surgery is a pain in the neck. I have to call a vet. I'd rather invest. And knew, like, you know, when you lease a car, you don't want to be busy with repairs of the transmission and the brakes. You just release the car. So there were farms that just sold the cows. No problem at all. Then there were farms that when I had very big tsars because he's, one of them told me recently, he said Trump, uh, President Trump's um, tariffs on Canada, Canada with the dairy. I don't know if people were following that, but I was at the time. Trump was taxing the dairy. Canada, basically, another unfair rule to Americans. Canada was sending... Um, he was able to send milk into America without a problem, but American milk that went in was tariffed at a crazy number. So Trump wanted to level the playing field to make it fair, and he, he, there was something he signed, and it knocked out a lot of farmers because Canada stopped taking the milk. There was a, some farmers were happy, some were not. There was one of those uh, controversial Trump things, but um, he, he, he leveling the playing field knocked some people out of business. Now, the question is, what... <laughs> If a guy a guy's out of business, so he said, someone farmer told me that the tariff made it very hard for me. I had to start only doing surgeries on cows because I couldn't invest in the ones. Then another person told me, he's like, I don't even have the question at all. I prevent the issue. I make sure when they're transition stage, when they're giving birth, I make sure they have certain feed and certain stuff. A veterinarian in Vermont told me, she's like, I'm busy preventing it. She said, nobody wants to do surgery. Nobody could afford it. We're busy giving them methods that are prevented. So every farm was a different story. So out of my farms I contacted, which again, again isn't a sample, maybe it is a sample, but definitely I'm not trying to push that here now. Just want to get to the what my main point there because I don't know who's the oil one. Sample that I had 
was yielding much different results than the, the Rabbanim were. The Rabbanim said, and some wrote this explicitly, there's a Rav in Bar Park, Rav Eckstein, who wrote that every single farm in America has trephus. Yep. So I wrote to him, how do you know that? Where does it say that every single farm in America has trephus? There's no, unless you have Ruch HaKadosh, I don't know how you know that every single farm in America has trephus. And other Rabbanim didn't write that explicitly. Every farm I had for my 350, uh, 380 farms, 170 sold the cows or did or prevented it. Now, even if we assume that some of them were lying, all 170 weren't lying. I had detailed emails explaining them in me the exact methods that they were doing. Then I had farms that told me that they have the... They sell them to whom? Uh, they sell them for slaughter. That's a for good meat. question. Yeah, they sell them for meat. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, no, 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 because it is a good question. I know better uh, to, to other dairy farms, but most of them are, are, are sold to, to Shrita. Um, it's called beef trucks. That's what um, that's what they uh, they go. They call they called beef cows. Somebody told me they're called nine one one cows. They're put onto a truck and shipped straight to the thing. Sometimes they even do surgery so the cows should stay alive till they get slaughtered. Actually, but many of them are sold to Shrita, and um, and uh, so and a lot of them have prevented the methods. I, I spoke to a, a few professors who told me that that um, the, the method, they were explaining to me the different methods. I could say they have TMR, certain uh, ration, TMR rations, and they're busy with um, special corrals and they do, they milk the cows three times instead of four times, uh, three times instead of two times, twice to make sure that they, that they relieve the milk and they have less stress because the stress is one of the issues of this thing uh, that causes the disease. And then there was another person who was a very interesting point. Um, I, I'm not going to say his name, uh, from, from Cornell University. Um, he told me he was actually busy with the Rabbanim on the Shaiwa in the 90s, and he was busy with an artist role. They actually asked him to come down once to um, supervise something about this issue. He told me another point, which is very relevant for the Shaiwa, and I'm going to explain all this in one second, why this affects Allah, in my opinion. Um, he told me that large farms in America, um, large farms in America, he said large farms in New York actually have well below 2%, the ones that he knows. So he, and he told me, and then I was trying to corroborate that. So there, there, there seems to be large farms are, they're very well financially often. They have amazing systems. There's something called boluses. They put the, they put like a tracker in the body and it tracks the temperature. And then they could see when anything's off. There's like the large farms have nutritionists. They have people that are being to make sure that the cows don't get sick. So these, that's another thing that was, and, and I could say I contacted out of my 380 farms, 60 of them were large. Most of them had a very low percentage of the disease, according to what they told me. And um, they, they explained to me their methods. I had very long, detailed emails explaining to me what they do. Some of them did have trephus. I have a farm that was, I know, in North Dakota that had 5,000 cows. He told me he does a toggle method. He had 1.8%. He sent me his records. Um, which is above Shishim, and then I, I, it was all a different mix. Now, that's what I'm trying to say. To assume Isser here, we have to assume that everything is the same. All farms have above Shishim, and all farms do surgery. Once one of those fall out, the whole table falls down. If you say farms have above Shishim, they have 6% of, of the disease, but they don't do surgery, so then it's good to go. The surgery is not trafe. If you say farms have if you say farms have, uh, they don't do sur- they don't do surgery, right? And if you say farms don't do surgery at all, if you say I'm sorry, if you don't say that they have surgery cows, but they have under 1.6 percent, so it's patabashishim. So that was that's what I want to say. There are a lot of farms that have these. There are, there are a lot of farms that have different um, approaches. My friend, I just became friendly, I should say, with a mashkiach in in um, the Massachusetts area, and he told me he's been on three farms in the last couple months that do not do surgery at all. He said he does the cow removal, he does with the whatever, he does the chavzah. He said he didn't have to do any cow removal. He said because they do the roll, which means they just roll the cow on its back and they roll the abomazon back into place. It's not important for here. I don't know why they do it. It seems to have a 15%, according to everybody I spoke to, it's a very not um, successful approach to dealing with it. But I guess I'm, I'm saying in Brooklyn, I don't know what it is. He said that those three farms either um, got rid of the cows or did the roll and tuck, which means they just rolled it and got it back into place so he said they weren't even doing surgery so i just corroborated that with that and then somebody emailed me today from the star k today he heard my podcast and he said that uh, he just got information from from another farm that he knows on that he works on that they they all only sell cows and they've always been selling cows so just the point is that ain't derek achas 
I'm just being the cynic here. I'm being skeptical. I'm just saying not everything's the same. Everybody, every farmer has different reasons. Every farmer has different chachboinahs. Some farmers think that they should invest $300 in the cow. And other farmers are like, why would I put money into an old cow? The cows that usually get the disease, I should point out, are older whack-tinning cows. Usually, it increases by age. Cows usually live to five. They start giving milk at two. That means they have three cycles of lactating. Usually happens in the second or the third. Um, the reports I've seen say second is more than double the first, and the third is more than double the second or something like that. So the older cow is meaning, why would they invest in a surgery? The cow's going out anyways. The five, they die, or five, they're sold. So they sell the cow. That's a very shift. I think people have told me for years, a professor in Utah told me that 25% of the farms he's been on, he's been on, he's been on 25% of the farms in Utah. Nobody's done, nobody's done, uh, nobody's done any. Uh, Would you say there's a- I was uh, suggesting an approach, but Hector, based on what I just said, is like this. Milk, where we buy in the store, you go to the store, if you buy Kholstam, obviously, if you live in Brooklyn, you don't need to, we have the vash in my fridge, but if you go, if you live anywhere, you buy a, a bottle of milk. So I gave this muscle on, I just gave it on this podcast, I'll say it again here. There's a company, Roland Deary, Roland Deary, they don't have farms. It's a guy in Long Island. He pays to package milk under their own name. You know, Target doesn't really have plants. They just, they run on, you know, they do, I think, a private run and they put their own labels on. I, I actually went onto the milk's website. I could do a private label if I pay enough money. I could put my picture on it. They just, whatever, you could just, they process the milk and then whatever you want to label it with. So this Roland Deary gets their milk from a place, um, Clover Farms. Clover Farms is in Pennsylvania. The last I checked, they had 170 farmers in Pennsylvania and New York, Western New York, that were supplying to it. And I tried contacting them to find out where they get their milk from, and they didn't even answer my email. Now, I did this with a few places. Another one is, let's just go Guida's Milk. It's 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 in the stores also. I've seen it. It's been processed in Connecticut, and it comes to New York, in New Britain, Connecticut. Guida is owned by DFA. DFA is Dairy Farmers of America. I don't know if people heard of it, but it's the largest co-op in America for dairy farms. Now, D- DFA, uh, what is DF- What is a co-op? A farmers, they don't sell the milk to you. They sell the milk to a guy, to the co-op, to this company, and the co-op sends the milk to wherever it needs to go around America. So Dairy Farmers of America... Um, Dairy Farmers of America, um, let's say, picks up the milk and they send it to, to Guidos. Now, Dairy Farmers of America has over 350 farms in New York and 350 farms in Pennsylvania. My cheshboinists are that they have close to 1,000 farms in New York that are members, but I couldn't get that from them. They would not tell me. They don't say anything. That's what people don't realize here. To be or something, nobody says anything. Everybody's afraid of a lawsuit. I couldn't get, I, the information I got was I had to do backwards information on, let's say, getting the numbers of farms through like uh, checking things. I, I was able to be aware that there's at least 350 farms in New York that belong to DFA. It's probably more because it just says 350 plus. It's probably more in the 800 range. Now, those 350 farms all have the potential to send milk to this plant in Connecticut, right? They're part of DFA. DFA sends milk to the plant. Breakstone butter, everybody knows Breakstone butter, the famous Breakstone butter. They're owned by DFA. DFA supplies the milk. Now, DFA has currently, I think, 7,500 farms in America that are part of them. Email DFA, I think I did so from six different email accounts and 400 times. They don't care about you. They don't answer you. Now, DFA, I was Matsuliach from my 380 farms to contact about 15 farms across America that are part of DFA. Now, from those 15 farms, I think five were Traif Gummer and 10 were Kasher Gummer. Now, where's my Breakstone butter coming from? Do I know? I have no idea. You call Breakstone, they won't even answer your email. They won't tell you where the butter came from, which farm. So... The question is, why would I, ha- what am I misupping mis- now? My, the milk and my breakstone butter came from those 10 farms. Now I'm just saying 10 because I only know 15 DFA farms. My butter could come from the 10 kosher farms or from the five tray farms. So we're dealing here with, let's deal with something I forgot to mention. I always forget to mention this. The Isser here at most, everybody agrees except for, everybody agrees except for Amnasha Klein and the Chuva, which nobody agrees with what he said. Everybody agrees the Shiloh in our case is a Shiloh of an Isser de Rabbanan. Because on every farm, the milk is batal bashishim. Yeah. Batal baroif. I'm sorry, batal baroif. There's for sure 51% kosher milk. Nobody, no farm. If any farm has 51% of cows with surgery in it, they go out of business. They would be closed. No, they can't. Right? 
It'll be closed. Yeah. A guy told me when it's up to 10%, then they shut down already. Then, then, then they can't handle their cows. So the milk is at most an Isser de Rabbanon. Which right? is explained because because it's Min B'minoi, so there yes, is no yes. Tom. So in other words, yes, just I'm for sorry. the people who, who aren't as familiar as you, Manus, that because it's milk and milk, so therefore the it's min b'minoi, so roiv midaraisa, if you have rove of the kosher milk, would be would be fine. The rabbanon or machmir, that we treat min b'minoi like a, like a noisain tam, that it has to be 60 times more. Yes. So that itself exactly. is only a chumrah, the rabbanon in kashras. Yes. yes, so right, exactly. It's a chumrah. So we, we need, if, if a cow, if a farm has 10% of cows that are operated on in its tank, so the milk is treif, but only min rabbanon, even though the tra- a tray for milk is with chayra asram and deraisa, but it's bottle in the in the tank by the ninety the ninety in the other ninety percent, but you still can't drink it midrabbanon because you need you need we need it to be under one point six percent. Again, for deraisa, under fifty percent is kosher. The rabbanon has to be under one point six percent. So we're talking about the iser derabbanon. Now it's not a vaday iser. The threshold by derabbanon is higher. It has to be a vaday iser. How could anybody tell me? That the breakstone butter I have is a vada iser. Maybe it came from those ten farms. Yeah. So it's a suffix the rabbanon. That's what the my approach in the sefer is that that since milk is not traceable, which somebody well, somebody's been arguing with me that it, basically you're doing the cool well, suffix rabbanon lakula. I mean that's suffix rabbanon lakula. Yes, yes, suffix okay. rabbanon lakula. Now I just want to say one point on that. So my sefer's hetter is so the first half of my sefer is dealing with the surgeries because at one point I was trying to put out a sefer. To tell people to start being machmer on this because they should know that it's a chamer de kashaywa and that term are not as simple as they sound. So that's the surgery part. That's the first 175 pages. But the 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 next um, the second half of the sefer is on this metzias, which I think the cows are even if you assume they're 100 percent trafe, which in my opinion they are. I'm not arguing about Belsky, I'm just saying my opinion from the sugya. I still think the milk is 100 percent kosher because it's other considerations that should be taken into account. And um, the question just remains, and I just want to say this because I've been getting a little pushback, good pushback that I like on this. Um, um, I wrote the last chapter about buying milk, meaning if you hold Chalv Stam, is the same as Chalv Yisrael from Chalv Akav. Meaning if you, don't, if you eat Chalv Stam, you don't care about Chalv Yisrael, you think it's the same. Let's just assume for that person, Joe. Now, should he be buying Chalv Yisrael, which definitely removed the cows, versus Chalv Stam, which I'm telling you is only without Suffolk? So I wrote in the back why I think it's not a problem. It's the, they're the same kosher. A suffix rabbanon means it's 100% kosher, as though as as um, as a, a vaday hetter. That's why I wrote the last chapter, the last seminar. Yeah, lechat Yeah, that's what the last the last chelak of my sefer, my sefer simon chaf is about that. But what people are saying, I got this from a few rabbanim. A rabban Wakeford I spoke to Matzah Shabbos and the rabban in in. in uh, in in Chicago on the CRC and one of my good friends, Rav Yerachmiel Falk from BMG. Um, he's a very big Tamachacham and he's been helping me throughout this whole thing. A lot of different, a lot of advice and different stuff. So he's been telling me from the first time he spoke to me, he says, your safer should be saying that it, he told me this 18 months ago. Your safer should be saying that it should be mutter. It's called the parsh, meruba parsh. I don't want to get into that here, but he thinks it should be even more mutter and that it's for sure mutter to buy it in the store when you're dealing with the Shiloh. He says basically, Rabbanu are upset at me that based on my Matthias, it should be even more, it should even be more, yeah. even more mutter, mitzad the trefeshaiwa, that you should say called the parish. I have questions on that, but I think for sure, and that's what I presented in my Sefer, um, I hinted to their approach in my Sefer because people were already telling it to me then, and I heard about it, so I was maramas to it. But my Maris, Sefer maybe is basically just, approach. Maybe it's just, let's just explain again why yeah, it's sorry, called the parish. No, no, look, for people to understand, because once it's been delivered to the store, so now this, you're, even though you're going to the store to get it, but the guy who owns that store has has been lokeachit, right? So therefore, yeah. he, in other words, you're saying suffix. So suffix the Rabbanan is 50-50, suffix the Rabbanan Lakula. So people could say, wait, but you're saying you have the rove as well yes, because you're going road. you're not going you're, you're going you're going to the store the guy who owns the store has already taken it from the rove and therefore it's been pirated from the rove right and that's why you're right. saying- that's exactly so the reason why i didn't push this in is because um i i just want to point out that i have a sample of 380 farms when i did my survey there were 40 40,000 farms in america now there's about 30,000 there are still 30 29,000 farms that i didn't have information from so to say called the parish, you have to assume that they are, the majority are permitted because called the parish, we say whatever separated is from the majority. Now, how could I say that that's the majority? So that's what my reservation was. 
but people have been telling me that since we don't know the other farms' information, we could assume they're becheskas kashras, especially now that there are other approaches how to do this with this thing. That's what the Rabbanim tell me. I don't want to deal with this thing, but the Rabbanim had, had told me that if you drink milk and you don't care about Rav Heshel Shachter's issue, so then that heter, whatever heter you use for Rav Heshel Shachter's issue, could be applied 100% to this issue based on my Matthias and make it with Hatchiwa. So that's just another point that I would like to actually develop in my, hopefully my Madura Shnia of the Sefer. Very um, nice. Called the parish, but uh, that's basically what I think the thing is. And again, for a long time, that everybody's in Cholstam is eating trefus, and it's very relevant because even if you don't eat Cholstam, you eat Cholvisrol. Baby formula was a big shaywa, and people eat dairy equipment. Dairy equipment is only mutter if it's only Cholstam, but if dairy equipment is treif, you can't eat something cooked in a treif pot. So the right. shaywa is very relevant, and people don't realize how relevant it is. And when I was going to the rabbanim and telling them, and they said it's us or it's us or it's us, and I said, what do you do with baby formula? They're blown away. They're gassed. Whoa, wow, that's a good question. I, I, baby formula people were machmer because of the shayel, but the Hamayin Am doesn't know. I know somebody who's a very big time chacham who's machmer not to ichol stam because of the trefa issue, and he was giving his kid enfamil. And I said, "What are you relying on?" This was before, so he's like, "I didn't think about it." That's what he told me. He's like, "I never thought about it. I never realized like I was giving him this thing." So at that point, when I thought it was usher, I contacted Simulak and I figured out that it's Batal b'shishim. If you say Hanan, I figured out a whole complicated statistic. I have it. I didn't print it because it's assuming the milk is tray. If you could still say formula was okay. And I don't want to print that because I think the milk is 100% kosher from the tray. Even aspect. according to those days, they don't have to be machmer according to that. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, is a is an older issue. Rab David Feinstein said that uh, somebody came to him with a shechter's issue and he said, first he said the cows aren't dropping dead. So then he was yeah. as a right. And he said, my father knew, Rav Moshe knew about the Shaiwa, Rav David said, Rav Moshe drank milk, he said, so I don't know what people want. So that issue was dealt with Rav Moshe. for me that's good enough. But this is from many good you know, people that are post came on the Sefer? Yeah, so I got, um, I got, um, Rav Nata gave me Askama. So I'll tell you what Haskama, you define Askama. I got a couple Hawachic Askamas and a couple of letters, like Mikhtar oh, Bracha. So, so. Rav Nata did, did not give you Rav Nata, of, of course not. Come on. Yeah, of course, Rav Nata no, didn't go he, through he that. Would have, no, Rav Nata yeah, 10 yeah. years ago would have given you perhaps. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Rav Nata would have been swinging on the Chal of Stam also. Like right, that, right, that, right, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Rav Shmuel also did not give me a bracha, but he gave me a bracha to print it, which is very good because there are people that tell me now I should not have printed it because it's Chal Stam. So at least I could say that I have Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky. You're, and you're covered, you're covered, it. yeah. Yeah, and then Roshoyma Miller, who from Wakewood, who right. actually holds its mother because of called the Parish, Meruba Parish, which mm-hmm. I think Roshoyma Miller from Toronto. Yes, I was Ooh. debating with him this thing. He told Roshoyma Miller told me told told me he agrees and he's been saying it's mother. He just didn't give me Awach Kaskama. I don't know why. Um, I actually don't know why, but it's not for now. Um, Rab Ruven Feinstein gave me Awach Kaskama, and Rab Shmuel first from Chicago gave me Awach Kaskama. And Rabbi Forsheimer wrote that even though he didn't look at the safer, 35 years ago, um, um, a lot of Paiskin were moderate and the uh, Vadiak Kashras go based on it. So it sounds like he's weaning towards Hetter. Uh-huh. So that was that. And then I have from Ravelli Brudni and Rav Kalman Epstein. Um, I went by Ravelli Brudni, so he gave me a letter of the Rocha, but Rav Kalman Epstein um, was very helpful throughout this whole thing. He's not my Rebbe, but I got in contact with him, provided me a lot of Aitzis and stuff for Shara Taira. He was very helpful. Uh-huh. And, interesting. Um, interesting. Just thinkers and learning that I've ever met, so, including Rav Nata. Yeah. Including Rav Yeah, Nata. yeah. He, 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 Rav Kalman told me something very, when, when one of the Rabbanim, was a well-known Rav in Flatbush, he told me, he said, he said, he said that you can't rely on your information because I got it. It was just emails, and it's not a letter from the company. That's what this person told me. So, at first, I I have all my svars. Why it shouldn't be? You could use svars. It was Masih I didn't tell them I was asking that it's for halachic reasons. I just wanted that. I said I was doing a study for research for school, and I, all the svars, Pasha Asr, all the svars. So when I called Rav Kalman to tell him, he said, "I don't understand." He said, "We're they're based also on their discussions with Kaim." He said, "So." Either you have it, you can't have it both ways. Uh, the Shach says that Goyim are either not Nemon, Wahachman, Wahakos. So you can't suddenly believe them when they say Isser and then suddenly say they're not believed when they say, say Hatha. It was just a very Gwata way out of this thing. I was very like zoned into my Pesha Us as far as. And he was just telling me, he's like, so if you're wrong, so then they're wrong too. He's like, you're in the same boat. You sink the boat, right. they're, they're with the other boat. Right. And, and besides for that, 
very strongly that people who are eating chalof stam, and people don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyways, because it's the fact. If you ate chalof stam your whole life, you had an advantage, because in 1994, I think my head there applied to, because even if you want to say they were doing surgery more than, and the numbers were higher than, we don't know. Nobody knows. It's a suffix. Nobody knew Bavadai, every farm at Trifus. And there were much more farms, and it was much harder to trace. Uh, do you have the sense that that was so? What? That the surgeries were more common then? Do you have the sense that that was so? Um, I have some sense. I have some speculation. Nobody. I spoke to somebody then. He said he does not know at all. He would guess so. But he said, I found reports from the 90s that people were saying already that they were doing... Um, they were yeah, doing they um, preventive, preventive, preventive measures yeah. in the nineties, nineteen ninety-seven already. They were doing it, so and it doesn't look like it was a chiddush. It was look like that that they trade that they realized it. So yeah. yeah, so no, it could be, it could be. I think. Do I believe? I have. I would believe that it was more common. But to say every farm had it, I don't know. And Chol Straw at one point was a. Yeah, I would think that that's probably the people that answer right now. Well, I, I oh, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't. I can't hear. I would think the veterinarians would probably have a better sense of uh, of how common veterinarians. It was. Right. So I asked one. I asked somebody who wrote a report on it, and he told me he said he would guess so. He said, but he has no. But he doesn't have any firm he, numbers. Yeah, he has no firm numbers. He said also. He said that he even told me that his numbers were coming from a vet that did surgery. He said there were vets then that were working with nutritionists in general on on general issues. So he said he doesn't know. He said he would guess yes. He would guess yes. And one vet told me she used to do. 30 surgeries a month, and now she does one. So she was obviously doing less now. <laughs> but I don't know that... Manus has a shtickle no gay at the vets because... ...is going away from surgery and more proactive preventative. Is that true in the veterinary circles? And that might be part of the reason why these surgeries are so less... So I definitely think so. I definitely... I have, people told me that they're working on preventative measures more recently, but the, the concept didn't start now. The concept's already in the literature from the 90s. Now, how common it was, I don't know. It was probably less common. So, Manus, I think the point you wanted to say that the real bomb was that you were probably better (laughs) off, again, I'll say it, you were probably better off eating Chol Stam than eating Chol Yisrael because of the amount of dairies and all the heterium you came up with. The Chol Yisrael stuff from Echves, Mahadrin, or whoever it was that was making it, J&J and Kleins, you were probably better off eating Chol Stam at that case. Yes, and and, and I told it to a rub, a very, very big rub who does not eat Chol Stam, and he said, you are one hundred percent correct, and I've been saying this since it came up. <laughs> so it just I, it was, that was my validation. And uh, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I just think it's. I think it's partial that we'll never know. Nobody will ever know that it's that it's uh, that it was. Uh, and I and I think Baruch Hashem, we should be dancing in the streets that that Kaiso wasn't Nechshon Trefus since then and now, right? If Emma's a person, would be very happy to hear that. Right. Which is which is a lot of if you read Ravelsky's Chuvas, a lot of the Natiya that Ravelsky had, and I know. You could be chaylik on a lot of his mahalach is built on vusas gevein klal yisrael vusa migatian. He was very yes. against. He was very yes. against coming up with a chidush that now lemafreya made everybody drink copepods yes. being over yes. it. So I don't yes. know. I'm, I'm not going to accuse Ravelsky of of having this negias, and that's going to be his his default mode. But I think that that Ravelsky in his Eilam Emes and his Lichtig on Aden is very, very Tzafridin, that you have been Hitzdiko as, uh, as that. Be, uh, Rabbi uh, Sommerfeld, you might have another... You might have another thought on this. I can't hear. I can't hear. Um, important to just point out that I presented this information to Rabbi David Feinstein. So I got a letter from Rabbi Beryl Feinstein, his son, and he wrote that Rabbi David held its mutter. He heard from his father its mutter. But he didn't say my reasons, but Rabbi Baruch Moskowitz wrote that that he presented all the shy was in between uh, Tavshanai and Zion, Tavshanai and Tester of David, and Rab David said that it's Pasha will feed the Metzias. That was clarified through through the Mechaber that there's no Chashash. Rab David was very happy. At one point, Rab David told um, Rabbi Maskowitz to ask me why I was still sending him information if I was trying to make it mutter for my cat. That's what Rab David <laughs> asked. <laughs> That's what he said. Somebody against so, Chol of Trefa. And they could see the at there they could contact me. It's just easier to contact me. Chalav Trefa at um, dot com. C H A L A V Trefa T R E I F A H dot com. And they could over there. There's like a you just fill out a form or whatever, and uh, you just I'll, I'll send to anybody who wants to. Manus, maybe you know I could add you know a very birchas hediot uh, to all the michtevei brocha that you that, that you should be zocha to find new areas to conquer. Just as you, uh, just as you, as, right? You, you shouldn't just be the Tana Tuna, but you should be Zoha to actually find many, many areas to to attack with uh, the Simcha Sa'atera, with your doggedness, 
uh, I say that because you know, I have a dog right here. So with the doggedness that you that you have uh, attacking this question, you should be able, you should be zochah to be able to do this on many, many fronts and to be to enrich Klal Yisrael with articles and svarim in, in areas that can be mayor in ayim and in Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so we'll see everybody. I'm gonna we're gonna have to go, I think. So Zygazo. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.